Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the fields of psychology and mental health. With your host, Gabe Howard, and featuring Vincent M. Wales. Welcome to this week's edition of the Psych Central Show. My name is Gabe Howard. My name is Vincent Wales. And today we're going to talk about something mental health and psychology related. Vin, you got any ideas? Let's talk about my cats. They're they're annoying the crap out of me right now. Uh, I don't think that's a psychiatric diagnosis. However, I have... You don't know. (laughs) Actually, you do. You do know my cats. They are kind of psychotic. Probably not literally, but but listen, here's something that we can jump on. I have stated numerous times that sleeping on your floor depresses me because of the cats. Go ahead and, and explain to me and our audience how I'm just butchering the actual mental health definition of the word depression. Oh, wow. Where do you start with that? In my opinion, the biggest problem with the word depression used in a medical sense is that we do have the word in an everyday definition as well. Because you can say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm depressed. And it's not a lie. You're not, when you say that, you're not saying, I have clinical depression. You're saying, I'm depressed. And by, as, as far as a, a dictionary definition goes, sure, you are. But we have to have some way to, to distinguish between regular, normal, everyday depression over events and, and whatnot and clinical depression, which is something entirely different. Well, it, it's interesting that you said that. While we were sitting here, I, I hopped onto merriamwebster.com. I looked up the word depression, and it says a state of feeling sad. I mean, it, it's, it's right there. It's, there. There's other things that it says, but in relation to psychology and mental health, it, it flat out says a state of feeling sad. Sleeping on your well, floor yeah, with it, your cats. But to be fair, it's not saying that that is a medical definition, Right. Well, that's true. Uh, The next one is a psychoneurotic or psychotic disorder marked especially by sadness, inactivity, difficulty in thinking and concentration, and a significant decrease or increase in appetite, as well as time spent sleeping, feelings of dejection, hopelessness, and of course, sometimes suicidal tendencies. So it it does. And now you're talking medical. Yeah. You are talking medical, but in the medical diet or in the medical definition, it does say marked especially by sadness and a bunch of other worse and, things. But... And, for, and for many people it is, but it's sadness unlike sadness because you're on the floor with my cats. That's very you know, it's, fair. It's a different, a different level. Okay, so... so... And, and that, is, that is the point where a lot of people get hung up, you know, because people who don't understand depression, they do get hung up on that part of it. Well, everybody feels sad. Yes, everybody does feel sad, but that's really... You know, again, not what we're talking about. So this is what's interesting. Of course, obviously, I don't want our listeners to to panic. Vin and I understand depression. We we both we 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 research this. It's our job. We've written about it, and of course, we both live with depression. Let me interject there and say we understand our depression. That doesn't mean that we understand it as you know in its entirety in every different way that it manifests because we don't. That's fair. Fair. Very good point. But we understand it more than the general population. For example, I, I'm, I'm willing to state, and I always throw my, under, my mother under the bus on these things, I understand depression more than she does. And, okay, and, sure, yeah. And my mother's no slouch in the world. 
You, you know, she's not she's not wandering around aimless or, you know, she has a job, a home. She she raised three children. She's she she's a good, normal person, but she doesn't understand it. And her son, me, I have it. And she tries and she gets hung up on a lot of things. And mm-hmm. one of the things that she gets hung up on is she's been sad. She got over the sadness and life goes on. So when right. her son is sad, why can't he get over it and life go on? And she's not being mean. She's not being malicious. She's, she's sure. genuinely stuck on this. So that, that's, the, that's the crux of what I want to talk about today. If you're somebody that knows nothing about depression except for what you've seen on television, pop culture, and of course the phrase, I'm depressed, they're out of Ben and Jerry's. How can we fix this? <laughs> How can we move those people forward? That, that's a tall order. That hey, is a we, very tall order. We have 15 minutes left. Let, let's do this. Awesome. Well, I think one of the things that, that really distinguishes depression from sadness for me is that, in all honesty, most of the time it's not sadness. Most of the time when I'm experiencing the, the worst parts of my own type of depression, it's feeling numb. It's feeling nothing. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care one way or another what happens today. It's feeling no excitement for anything. It's feeling complete ambivalence. That's not sadness. That's emptiness. I want to point out that, of course, feeling sad is on the list of criteria to diagnose major depression. But you need between five and nine of them. And there's a, there's a list of, uh, you know, 12 different criteria. I'm, I'm not going to read them all off, but one of them is a decreased interest or pleasure in activities that you used to find enjoyable significant weight change, change in appetite, uh, insomnia or hypersomnia, fatigue or loss of energy. You can't just have sadness and then that equals depression. That's just, that's just right. one thing. You need multiple things. And specifically, you need to lose interest in those things and or feel this way for a period of two or more weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you're sad for a few days, even if you're calling it depression, even if depression fits because Marion Webster, you know, caused us some issues there, it's not for two or more weeks and you haven't lost interest in everything. Right. So now, so you're, you're wandering along in life and, and you, you love your friend, you, you love your child, you love your friend, but you don't understand this depression. You don't understand why they can't just pick themselves up from their bootstraps, why mm. they can't just get over it. They don't understand the intersection of an emotion, sadness, with a medical diagnosis, depression. So for example, if you have any medical diagnosis, you can still have emotions. But mental illness changes all that and it confuses people. Sure, just like any illness affects your body. You have a function, you know, your liver does its thing, but then you have liver disease, it changes how the liver works. So the normal doesn't apply anymore. The same goes on in your head. So. Sadness is one thing, but once you've got a mental illness in there, your sadness becomes something totally different. One of the things that we want to help people understand is depression. Obviously, we don't want to give everybody depression for two weeks and because that would just be, I'm trying not to say that would be crazy, but, <laughs> but, but listen, I, I use this example a lot. I've never broken a bone and I'm unlikely to break a bone because I'm the laziest person I know. So I don't go outside. I don't play sports, but I do understand a lot about broken bones. 
And listen, if I broke my leg, I might suspect that I broke my leg. And I'd understand that I'm going to get a cast. The doctor's going to set it. I understand the, the outcomes, etc. And of course, I wouldn't worry about calling my mom and telling her. And, you know, I've signed an awful lot of casts in my day. So that's an awful lot of knowledge to have about an illness or, or an issue that, one, I'm unlikely to have, and two, in my 40 years, I've never had. Mm-hmm. How do we explain depression as easily as I understand, and most of the public understands, broken bones? Well, you can't. A broken bone is an extremely, extremely simple thing to explain. Here's a bone. Look at this. Snap. It's broken. You understand that? Sure. But... Any kind of mental illness, whether it's depression or anything else, is much, much more involved. There, there is no quick fix for this, Gabe. <laughs> We're just... Of course there's no quick fix for it, but I refuse to say that there's no fix for it. Let's take depression only. An estimated 19 million American adults are living with major depression right now. You and I are, are, are two people. We have friends and family that we want to understand us. I, I feel like we have to come up with something better than, eh, probably not going to be able to solve this. I realize that we're not going to solve it on this podcast. It may or may not be resolved in our lifetime, but there has to be something. Well, personally, you know, and I, and I hate to get back to this, but but I think it's a, a large problem is because of the word usage. You have bipolar disorder, which some people might still call manic depression. Now, bipolar disorder is a much better term for it. Wouldn't you agree? I, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Similarly, depression should be referred to as unipolar disorder. I like it. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that that nobody uses that term because it actually is out there. I didn't make it up. But it's just it's just not used in any kind of way that would make people uh, actually understand that there is a difference. It's not used often enough. Vin, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's okay. it What's it feel like when you're depressed? Well, you know, my depression is not the type that most people are familiar with. Most people are, are familiar with uh, major depressive disorder, where you get in this horrible state for a short period of time and then it goes away and might not come back again for a year. My depression, though, is formerly known as dysthymia, now referred to as persistent depressive disorder. So I'm kind of in a constant state of depression that's, that's mild compared to the major depressive disorder. Um, but at the same time, it, it's like the difference between having a really bad flu that lasts for a week and having a cold that lingers for three months. You know, there's, there's the difference there. It just wears you down over time. Now here, here's a good example. My friends, including you, often ask me if I'm excited about something. And my honest answer is no. I don't get excited about things. I never have my emotions get to that point where I'm just, yes, I'm really excited about this. No, it just doesn't happen. I don't know that it can happen, <laughs> honestly. Aren't you excited to go see Alice Cooper in concert? Looking forward to it, yeah. See, that's that's just, everything is like subdued. I, I can honestly say as, as your probably most excitable friend, because of bipolar <laughs> disorder and because of mania, this is probably the most annoying part of you because I, I get oh, excited about, I get excited about random things. I mean, I know it's, it's a podcast about depression, but you know, I, I can be excited that we're going to breakfast in the morning and it, you're not excited about going to see Alice Cooper or about, you know, somebody visiting from half a country away. You're just like, eh, it's, <laughs> it's Tuesday. 
I can understand that. Now, you're talking about, you know, what's in a name. You said that dysthymia changed its name to... Persistent depressive disorder. Persistent depressive disorder. Do you feel that that's a step forward or a step back? Definitely forward. Because, A, it's got the word persistent in there. And that is that is the key to this particular this particular illness. Disorder, all, you know, that's always a, a nice term to throw in there because people understand that things are not quite in order. But it still has the word depressive in there. On the other hand, that's still more descriptive than saying dysthymia because most people say, what the hell's that? Hey, I have bipolar and most people say, what the hell is that? So well, I, uh, I, I, would, I would take a step back and say dysthymia sounds more serious. I mean, persistent depressive disorder still has that depression in there, which as we've talked about most of this show, people just misunderstand. Yeah. People just misunderstand completely. They do, but it still is descriptive, whereas dysthymia is not. That's something you have to go look up. You know, like when I had last month, when I had my, my bout with pericarditis, what's that? That sounds <laughs> awful. Well, then I have to explain it. But if I simply said, well, I have an inflammation of the pericardium around my heart, you know, it's kind of a long thing to spout out, but there it is, you know, at least they understand that. Okay. So one of the things that we should discuss, of course, is, is that depression. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that depression exists on a spectrum. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, depression is a, a, a little down can be described as depression, as we've learned. I mean, I, a, a little bit sad, as we've sort of uncovered, could be on the depression scale. Uh, and then all the way down to suicidal depression. In, in fact, there's just multiple types of depression. And we sort of mm -hmm. throw this word out as if there's only one type. For example, there's major depression, chronic depression, atypical depression. There's postpartum depression, something that the two men hosting this show know nothing about. There's bipolar depression, seasonal depression, psychotic depression, and on and on and on. But we've sort of used this catch-all that it's all depression. Right. It's a bit like referring to anything water-related as water. A puddle is water, the ocean is water, raining is water, a hurricane is water. It, it doesn't really... It doesn't let the person know what sort of water event <laughs> they're going to be yeah. dealing with. That's right. And we throw this around a lot in mental health. It's just depression. We don't know if you're suicidal. We don't know if you're just a little down. Because we just call it depression. You, you frequently bring up this, you know, this fact that people don't realize that X exists on a scale. What I want to know is, why the heck don't they? Everything is on a scale. You know, oh, I had the flu. Well, how bad was it? You know, was it at the mild end where it's over in 24 hours? Or is it, you know, about to put you in the hospital? Everything is on a scale. This is one of the things that's going to plague people living with mental illness until education changes. We really do see it as a one size fits all. There's people wandering around right now that are really trying to understand their loved one's bipolar disorder by saying... Well, I saw this speaker named Gabe Howard, and he described bipolar this way, so therefore yours must be exactly the same. I get emails all the time. Please stop telling my mother that people with bipolar disorder do X. I, of course, point out that I did not tell your mother that people with bipolar did X. I said that I, and that sometimes it's typical. Many people do. But this one-size-fits-all mentality is, is largely invented, and people are afraid to look for resources. And I don't understand that. Knowledge is very much power in this. People don't mm -hmm. want to be educated, and I'm, I'm not sure why. Well, they, they do find it disturbing. A lot of people just avoid 
knowledge about things that they find upsetting. It's fascinating, of course, because we're talking about mental illness, but there's none so blind as he who will not see. <laughs> so if, right. you, if you are suffering from depression and you don't look it up, if you don't get diagnosed, then you're not mentally ill. You're just a person that's a, a little sad right now. Because after all, once you have the diagnosis, once you have to start treating it, once the people around you know, once you face it head on, yes, you can start getting better, but it also means you have to acknowledge that something is wrong. And that's, you know, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's a tough one. I think it's the same reason that, you know, there's 80-year-old men all over the country that refuse to go to the doctors until their wives drag them. Because then they might mm-hmm. have to admit that they're getting older and they just <laughs> don't want to. Listen, Vin, it's always great talking to you. I, I had a good time. I'm glad that you could hang around. Did you have fun? Oh, well, I wouldn't say I was excited. <laughs> on that note, if you're not already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Share this with friends. We love the praise that you give us. Please review us. Pass us around. It's how we grow. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales, and we will see you next week. PsychCentral.com is the internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. PsychCentral is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is a professional speaker, award-winning writer, and mental health advocate. You can find more information on Gabe and his work at GabeHoward.com. Vincent M. Wales is an award-winning speculative fiction novelist and suicide prevention crisis counselor. You can find more information on Vincent at vincentmwales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com.